All right. So after two weeks of big chunks of verses, I'm sure it was kind of nice to have a shorter passage this week, right? Um, so how was your homework? What stood out for you for Romans 15, 14 through 33? interesting about the miles, 15,000 uh-huh. miles in uh, verse 19, and I cannot pronounce the I-L-L-Y-R-I-C-U-M, but I even looked them up to have to try to listen to how to say them, and I still couldn't do it. <laughs> so he went, he went from Jerusalem all the way around to, oh, and that comes to about 14,000 miles, and you have to think of the time, the, the, um, culture and how it was and how difficult. I mean, they basically got around by foot, or I'm assuming donkey, or, you know, there was nothing that transported them. Camels. (laughs) Camels. I I just thought that took a a lot of ambition. Yeah. And he was true to the word. Yeah. And how that he wanted to go to Rome, that was his big thing. He wanted to go to Rome, but he never got to Rome. Rome and Spain, yeah. But he felt that Rome and Spain, well, some think he may have gone to Spain, but that's not for certain. And, um, you know, and, and so he knew he had to finish the work that he had while he was there. So he didn't rush and push it aside. Yeah. He stayed. Yeah, so this this portion, this passage, sort of is the beginning of the of the end. It's the, the beginning of Paul's epilogue for the book of Romans, and he closes the book at, at, in this last chapter and a half. And we see his he he's telling us his comments about his ministry and his plans for the future, uh, and then he'll share some personal greetings, a closing benediction in the next couple of weeks. But in our, in our passage for today, there are really two main, main things that we see. We see, his, so we see Paul's special calling, 
and his past ministry, and then we see his future plans. Um, but before we get to the closing of the book, we need to think back to the opening, to our first lesson. Does anybody remember, or can you find it written down in your handouts, when it was that the book of Romans was written? 57 AD. Excellent, Fran. You were on top of that. <laughs> and do you, do you remember where he was at the time that he wrote this? He was in Corinth. Yeah. And so in, in Corinth, 57 AD, he is literally on the front lines of the mission field. And that's something that we need to be keeping in the back of our mind as we read today's passage. He's writing theology from the field, not from a cushy office like we think of most theology books today, not even from his own home. He is truly writing this from the trenches. And so he is writing from experience. Um, and, and Paul really has a missions focus in this, in this passage. So Tony Merida, he's the author of the Christ-Centered Exposition Commentary on Romans, a very good series of commentaries uh, where both the Old Testament and the New Testament are focused on Jesus. Um, so very good one. Uh, he talks about eight directives for being great commission people. And so that's that that's the handout so you can sort of follow along because I really appreciated the way that he broke down the passage um, and so so that's that's kind of the, the basis for what I'm, I'm basically using his his words today but not all his words but a lot of his words today <laughs> um, so he's he has these eight directives for being great commission people. Uh, we have read the Great Commission previously in this study, but we're going to read it again today. So Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Okay, I have it. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the Great Commission, that's Jesus speaking to his disciples. It's, it's the last thing he says to the disciples, really, and it's a, it's a directive, but it's a directive for all of us of what we are all supposed to be doing. We are to make disciples, right? And so that's the, that's the Great Commission. And so to be a Great Commission people, it, that's, what, um, it, that's what Tony Merida is talking about, is, is Great Commission people are people who are fulfilling that directive from Jesus, that statement to go and make disciples. And so uh, that first line on your handout there, uh, Tony Merida says, Great Commission people make Jesus' final command their first priority. 
Great Commission people make Jesus' final command their first priority. Uh, so then our first one will be in Romans 15, verses 14 and 15. I gave that to somebody, didn't I? I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace so in these verses Paul is really affirming the church in Rome he's he's encouraging them um, and so that leads us to what what Tony Meredith's first directive is for being great commission people is to be part of a healthy gospel-centered church And, and verse 14 gives us three things. Elizabeth mentioned them before. gives us three things that the Roman church is doing well. And is basically, this is basically Paul telling us, this is what you should be looking for in a church. And, and what are those three things that he says? Yeah, goodness and knowledge and, and the ability to instruct one another. Right, so goodness, goodness is moral excellence, an uprightness, um, and that, that the knowledge would be a, a theological understanding, right? When we think about Romans, we have, we have been struggling through the book over months, right? And, and it, has, it is a deep book with respect to theology and doctrine. But Paul was able to write this letter to the Roman church where he had never been before because they already had a baseline of understanding. They had a knowledge to work from, and so he could take it to a deeper level with them. And then in the, the phrase in the ESV that says they're able to instruct uh, is also translated as, as admonish. Um, and that word in the Greek is used in reference to both instruction and to warning. And so this means that these, these people, the Roman church, were encouraging and challenging and counseling and warning each other. The people were doing those things, not just the pastor. And that means it's our job to do those things, not just the job of the pastor. All those things, though, come to being just reminding one another of what the gospel actually is. And so he is appealing to their spiritual maturity. Then we get to um, Romans 15, verses 16 through 18. And so the second directive for being, a, being great commissioned people is to see life and mission 
through the lens of worship to see life and mission through the lens of worship. So the, the language in this that's used in this set of verses, it, it carries the idea of, of a priestly service, of performing holy duties to God. And so Paul, is, 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 he's telling us that he sees himself as a priest making a sacred offering to God. But what he's saying is that he's offering, he says he's offering the Gentiles. So the Gentiles were to be that living sacrifice that we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, and in the, in the commentary, uh, Tony Merida says, Paul was a worshiper who sought to make more worshipers. And we too should see our mission through this lens of worship. Because Paul's sacrificial mission for him was an act of worship. Then um, the next one's found in verses 15 through 19. I know we read some of these verses already, but I want us to get the whole picture for this directive. So um, Romans 15, 15 through 19. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus and my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to wherever that is. I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. And so the Paul's next directive is remember that fruitfulness is the result of divine enablement. Paul in, in those verses references the role of each of the three parts of the Trinity in his ministry. He acknowledges that he needs the whole Trinity. He needs all three pieces. He knows his need for the grace of God the Father. He knows that it takes the Holy Spirit to make his work effective. And he knows that it is Christ that brings people to obedience. Paul knows that he alone cannot turn a pagan to Christ. And so if we see any fruit in ministry, we have no choice but to give the glory to God. When we think about pride, pride says, look at me, look at what I did, right? But genuine Christian ministry, being a great commission people says, look at what God is doing. Um, now, in verse 19, we see some places, but I want you to, to recognize as he's, as he's speaking these places, he's not just listing names of random cities. He's saying he's finished work in those areas. 
that he has he has he has uh, finished his ministry and he is ready to move on to the next place. But it's like um, Sandy, you said what fourteen thousand miles between the two, right? It's a significant amount of space, a significant distance that he has covered, and he's still like, which we'll see in a few minutes. He's like, but there's more to do. You know, he's talked about, I'm coming to you. That's one, one thing he wants to do, right? He's, he's finished the work in these areas, but he's ready to move on. Um, that I don't know. We'd, I'd have to, I, I, I did look up some of his, um, missionary journeys, but I did not, I did not pay attention to the timing. So. So it, it it was not quick <laughs> by any means, um, which can also be an encouragement to us as well. So um, the next directive is found in uh, Romans fifteen twenty through twenty one. And so the, the, the directive for being a great commission people is to have a passion for the gospel. Uh, this one's number four. Have a passion for the gospel and a heart for people. And so the term John Piper uses about Paul here in this section is, is that he has a holy ambition. And that holy ambition comes from his calling from God, but he's also rooting it in scripture. The verse he quotes in, um, in verse 21 there is Isaiah 52, 15. Uh, and so he, uh, he has the, the calling from God, but he also um, grounds it in, in scripture. And so what exactly is Paul's holy ambition? He says, thus I make it my ambition to do what? Yeah, spread the word where people haven't gone before. Where they have not heard of Jesus. Uh, Tony Meredith says to have a holy ambition means to have a Christ-centered cause controlling your life your decision-making, and your interests. The right kind of ambition is one driven by the gospel and a heart for people. The Great Commission and the Great Commandment should drive believers' lives. Great Commandment being the 
love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, not everyone has the same holy ambition as Paul, but everyone should share in his concern for unreached people because his, his ambition is motivated by scripture. And, and, and so while Paul was called on the road to Damascus, you know, not all of us get to have that experience where we see the risen Jesus right there in front of us, right? But we do all have the Bible to help us. Um, and so, uh, so when he comes back and he's, he takes what he experienced and he, he adds that to scripture and he knows that this is the ambition. This is that holy ambition that, that God has called him to. That's the, that it helped him to see the way that, that he fit into God's big picture. And he chose to follow it. And he chose to follow it. Now, we'll get to it in a minute, but, but Paul's holy ambition leads him in a few verses to talk about going to Spain. There is no official evidence of him going, making it to Spain. There is some... Um, some church history that says he did but it's hard to know exactly whether he did but even though he has this heart and this desire for Spain he has that holy ambition to go it doesn't change that it was a holy ambition to go even if he didn't make it God still used that that ambition for his glory and so, so the question for us is how does this, how does, how does this passion for people or for the gospel and a heart for people and Paul having this holy ambition, how does that challenge us to change? And so the, the challenge for us is Paul knew what he was called to because he used scripture to confirm it. And so we need to be, be studying scripture. We need to think on it. We need to allow ourselves to be changed by it. It can't be something that we're just reading it to check off a box. We need to be meditating on it. We also need to pray. We need to pray for God to ignite a passion in each of us. We need to pray for God to shape our holy ambition. But then we need to pray that we are like Paul and can follow that holy ambition. Uh, and then Romans 15, 19 through 24. And I know we already read some of the verses, but we're going to read them again. Who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often mentioned your coming to you all. 
But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through, and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. So the next directive for being Great Commission people is to support the work of church planting. And we'll, we'll get to what that means. But in, in verse 19, Paul says he fulfilled the ministry in these areas. The work wasn't done. People still needed to hear the gospel. It wasn't that every single person in Jerusalem knew, knew who Jesus was or, or believed in Jesus. And definitely not every single person along that 14,000-mile journey. That's a lot of people, right? But Paul had a church planting mindset. And so he would go to a place, he would preach the gospel, and then he would build up a church. And then he would leave that church to continue the work while he went somewhere else and plant, shared the gospel and planted another church so that they could continue the work and he could move on and do the same thing over and over and over again. The churches were the ones continuing the work and he's the one that was, that was starting those churches. He would, you know, if you think about going to Spain, there's no Jewish presence, there's no Christian presence by any means. He wants to go to Spain and start a church so that they can continue the work, so that more people can hear. And so that's, that's a church planting mindset. And so he had these grand plans to move on to a new frontier area. He was planning to go to Spain. And so I'm going to pause again on Romans 15 and think back. This time you just have to think back a few minutes. When was the book of Romans written? 57 AD, right? And so about how old was Paul in 57 AD? Hint, he was born around the time that Jesus was born. So it'd make him about 60 years old, right? So about 60 years old now. Imagine yourself at 60 years old. And imagine that you're going to a new country that far from home, not just, not just to go and visit on vacation, but to go and, and try to, I mean, to live there for a while, right? There was no Jewish presence in Spain they would have been speaking Latin, and while Paul would have had some knowledge of, of Latin, it wouldn't have been much, because Greek was what was the more common language at that time, even in Rome. And so in Rome, Paul could get by with Greek. There's no way in Spain that he could get by with Greek. He was going to have to be 60 years old, traveling to a new place, not an easy journey and learn a brand new language to be able to communicate the gospel to these people at 60 years old 
that's that's a mindset of of the gospel and of church planting and of of just his his holy ambition right definitely divinely inspired and so paul is asking them to help him on his way to spain now likely this included financial support but again he wouldn't have known the language and they would have so probably would have had some um if not just language training having translators that might go with him um, but it was also a request for a place of retreat if he needed it. You know, sharing a brand new message to people is not always easy. Uh, and, and there is the, um, there, there are times where you have to, to flee where you are. Um, uh, and I, I have, I, I know stories of, of missionaries where I've sat down and had lunch with them and they've told us that I can never go back to China again because they discovered that I was a missionary and, and just learning what steps she had to take and what steps her missions agency had, had taken to, to protect her so that she knew what steps to take. Um, just just it happens then it happened and and now it happens and so uh he needed a a place to flee to as well but what this is is a picture of local churches supporting the work of global missions in giving in praying in going it's what we as a church should be doing and what we as individuals should be doing we need to find ways to support missions with both our finances and our gifts. If, if you are so challenged uh, in terms of finances, the uh, Tony Beard is in the process of, of raising funds to be a missionary. Granted, he's not going, he would be, but, but he is going to uh, E-Town College campus to be able to share the gospel with people who are on a college campus who then are going to graduate and spread out and hopefully live their lives for Christ in, in, in those ways. So if, if you uh, want information on how to contact him um, to support him, let me know. We'll get you, we'll get you some connected with him um, and he would love to talk to you but it's also about about using using your gifts um, maybe there are ways that uh, I know um, there are are some missions agencies that use use dresses to reach families and they will they will give you the stuff and you just have to put the dresses together and then and then they use those to 
reach the community and share the gospel. You know, there are things you can do and ways that you can serve to, to have, to use your gifts to help spread the gospel. Um, the next directive is found in Romans 15, 25 through 27. And so the next directive for being a Great Commission people is to support the work of mercy ministry. Support the work of mercy ministry. That's number six. Paul is telling the Roman church what the next steps are in his plans. So he's in Corinth. That's where he was writing from. And he has to travel back to Jerusalem. By, by boat, that's about 800 miles to get to, um, from Corinth to Jerusalem. And then he wants to go from Jerusalem to Rome. Again, by boat, that's about 1,500 miles. And then Spain is another 700 miles, all by, again, all, that's all by sea, assuming he, he was able to make it by sea. Um, and yet he has, he has yet to make it to Rome or his final goal of Spain, but these are not his first priority. And so why does it say he needs to go to Jerusalem? Taking an offering yeah. to the Jews that are in poverty there. Yeah, he's, he's taking an offering to them. He is, he is bringing them aid. This isn't Paul saying, hey, Rome, send money to Jerusalem. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm coming to you, but I have to go take this help to another church first. I need to go and aid these other believers. And so Paul is bringing a mission of mercy. This is from, from Galatia, from Macedonia, from Achaia. And he says, he, but he says something about the motivation of these, these churches in verse 27. So why did these churches give to the church in Jerusalem? It says they were pleased to do it. Right. They, they are giving out of gratitude. It, it was almost, they felt like they owed it to them for this amazing gift of, of acceptance that they had received. And, and so they are giving their material blessings out, out of that gratitude for that spiritual blessing they had received. 
And so we too should be looking for opportunities to do good by finding ways to give and to show mercy to magnify the fruit of the gospel in our own lives. Um, then this one bounces a little bit. Romans 15, 28, 29, and 32. And so the seventh directive for being great commissioned people is to refresh those on the front lines. To refresh those on the front lines. The Roman church will basically be Paul's sending church for Spain. But he doesn't want this just to be a business deal. He, he, he needs their financial support, yes. But he also wants relational support and encouragement. And as John Piper says, God loves to refresh his people through his people. But one of the greatest challenges of being a missionary is a lack of community. And so if you think back two years ago at this time, you know, COVID and, and things are are. We're, we're at home. Church was online only. We celebrated Easter apart two years ago. Right? Community was hard to come by. And now imagine being a missionary. You know, we support as a church missionaries both in the United States and overseas. And a lack of, of community is hard no ma matter where you go as missionaries, whether, it's, whether it is in the U.S. or, or uh, uh, other countries. Community takes time and it takes energy, but it's also important to include other believers. You know, sometimes we think about and we just look on paper at our, our list of missionaries, which I've, I've given you on your thing, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But... You know, we have two missionary families that our church supports that are there in, in Papua New Guinea. Actually, three missionary families. Um, you know, from here in Elizabethtown, PA, it sounds like, well, they should have community built in. Right? There's three of them right there. Did you know that Papua New Guinea is four times the size of Pennsylvania? It's the, it's the size of California. It is the third largest island nation in the world. And they don't have the roads that we have. Travel is not easy. They aren't alone, but that's three of them in the state of California with no roads. Right? Mission and ministry life can be very lonely. And so we need to commit to refreshing one another. We need to commit to refreshing leadership. And we need to re re commit to refreshing our missionaries. 
make refreshing a regular part of your life through visits and calls and cards. And we're going to talk when I turn the recording off in a few minutes. So we're going to come back to that one. Um, but our final directive is found in Romans 15 verses 30 through 33. Pray for those on the front line. Pray for them. Paul starts this section with the words, I appeal to you to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Paul is asking for them to pray for him. And then he gives them specific ways to pray. What are some of the ways he asks for them to pray? To be kept safe. What else? For his his service, his mission in Jerusalem to be well received. And then he wants he's praying, he's asking them to pray that he can come to them. Right? Yeah, and so He's, he's asking specific things, specific ways for them to pray for him. And Acts 20, 22 through 23 tells us why he asks for these specific things. Paul didn't know exactly what to expect when he went to Jerusalem. He knew that he needed to pray, but he also needed others to pray with him and for him. And so after seeing Paul as, as theologian and teacher, this patch, passage, this whole passage shows us Paul and his heart for missions. He wrote it to the church in Rome so that they, along with us, because it was it, it it was divinely inspired for us, could be challenged by Paul's missional heart. And Tony Merida sums up this whole passage like this. It seems to me that many do not have a passion for the nations because they do not have a gospel worth preaching. But if you soak yourself in the good news presented in Romans, I cannot help but believe you too will want to become a Great Commission Christian pouring your life out for the, frame, for the fame of Christ among the nations. And we do that by following these, these eight directives, both as a church and as individu individuals. We need to make Christ's final command our first priority.